the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Detroit is the birthplace and foundation of an extraordinary array of people, but that is especially true of African Americans who have found inspiration to innovate in music and art and politics and scholarship in so many ways right here in the Motor City. Today we're going to talk about a new Detroit Center for Black Studies that will be created at Wayne State University, and we'll look closely at the history and power of black creation in our city. That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019. WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm always glad that you have decided to join us. Where we grow up really matters. It influences the way that we think about the world, influences the way we treat other people, influences the things that we find interesting, our goals and our ambitions, and the type of people we strive to be. And every city, of course, has its legends who leave their fingerprints on the things they touch in their communities. That's absolutely true of Detroiters, but it is specifically true of African-American Detroiters. And that's not just true in music. Detroit is home to black labor leaders who helped create the 40-hour workweek, offer higher minimum wages, and allow a sensible work-life balance. Uh, Detroit is the home of all kinds of ideas around uh, art and culture and other things in America uh, that are created by African Americans right here in our streets. Right now, a reparations bill for African-Americans, an idea that continues to ebb and flow in American life, sits, of course, in Congress. That bill, for years, was sponsored by the late Detroit Congressman John Conyers. It was what he introduced first at the beginning of every congressional session. But Conyers himself was inspired by Ray Jenkins, a former Detroit real estate agent who was one of the first people to devote his life to demanding that government pay the descendants of slavery for their ancestors' labor. He was affectionately called Reparations Ray. And it's not just folks in history who are influencing Americans today. Think about people like poet and musician Jessica Kerr Moore, filmmaker Dream Hampton, muralist Waleed Johnson, and journalist Jamel Hill. All of these thinkers and doers and sayers change the way we see and interact with each other in ways that we don't often realize. Detroit has been and continues to be a hub for movements and art and scholarship generated by the African-Americans who live here. So that makes it really interesting that Wayne State University recently received a $6 million grant to hire more Black Studies faculty members and to create something called the Detroit Center 
for black studies. Later in the hour, we're going to talk more about the black scholars and artists and movements that inspired so much here in the city of Detroit and spread to all kinds of parts of our country and the world. But before we get there, we want to talk with President M. Roy Wilson about Wayne State's Black Studies program, as well as what this new center will do and why it's important. President Wilson, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Always nice to be here. So let's start with the $6 million, where it comes from, and why Wayne State uh, is getting this money to expand the Black Studies faculty and to start this new center. Yeah, the $6 million is from the uh, Mellon Foundation. Um, But, you know, just as usually, these things take time. Uh, We've started cultivating a relationship with them uh, quite some number of years ago. I want to give a lot of credit to Heidi Coates, our corporate relations person from the uh, uh, Wayne State's Development Office. And then, um, you know, our relationship runs many, many years. But more recently, I think with the change of um, CEO from Earl Lewis to Elizabeth uh, Alexander, they had a shift in focus. Uh, and their shift in focus was more um, looking at, at their grant-making through a social equity lens. And, you know, we've done a lot of work in social equity. We uh, are pretty mature in that area. We continue to strive to continue to do things related to social equity and diversity and those things. And so the timing was just kind of right for Wayne State and the Mellon Foundation to get together uh, to do this really ambitious uh, program of um, Detroit Center for uh, Black Studies as well as uh, recruit all of these uh, Black Studies um, faculty so that Wayne State in Detroit becomes the epicenter for Black Studies. I mean, you know, Detroit has an 80% Black population, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's only fitting that um, that happens here. Yeah, I mean it's a perfect fit for the city and and for, you know, the university that that calls the city home, the largest university that calls the city home. Let's talk about what this new faculty will focus on and some of the research areas that uh, that they'll engage in. Yeah. So first of all, just to get some of the basics out of the way, it's uh, we're going to be recruiting 30 uh, faculties at different stages, the, and these are all full-time tenure-track faculty or tenured faculty. These are not uh, part-time or adjunct fa- faculty. They'll be in different stages. There'll be 10 that we recruit uh, who are tenured already, uh, so we recruit scholars from around the country who are well-known in, their, in this area already, and we want to attract them to Wayne State. Uh, we'll recruit 10 who are tenure-track, meaning they're, they're well on their way to becoming uh, well-known in these areas. They have that potential, and we're going to nurture them. And then we'll do 10 who are at the very end of their training and prepare them to become faculty members called Pathway to Faculty. And we'll recruit 10 of those. Uh, these are, go- are going to be uh, students who maybe just recently got their doctoral degrees and are doing a postdoctoral program or something like that and really prepare them to accept a uh, faculty position at Wayne State. You don't have to be black 
but you have to be interested in black studies or uh, studies of the uh, uh, African diaspora. Um, and this would be, and you don't have to be in the black studies department. You can, this will be uh, throughout the university. The, the curriculum uh, throughout the university is going to will be infused with uh, these uh, faculty members who um, um, can bring that perspective, whatever their specific uh, area of expertise is, whether it's in history or whether it's in um, philosophy, just whatever it is that that. Um, um, the the perspective of the uh, African American or or black uh, perspective is is infused into that curriculum. Yeah. So is, is there something about this moment about now uh, that that calls for the university to be making this kind of shift? I mean, what you're talking about is pretty. Uh, pretty broad in terms of the influence that it seems to be having or, or, or that you want it to have over not just the Black Studies Department at the university, but the whole university. What, what, what brings Wayne to this point uh, in 2023? Yeah, well, first of all, if we could have done it in 2013, we would have done it then. <laughs> but, 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 you know, obviously a lot of this is, uh, requires funding, and it's new funding. It's not uh, funding that we already, that's being reapportioned from other priorities and things like that. So the Mellon Foundation's uh, relationship really makes this possible. But the other part of it, though, and I alluded to that at the very beginning when I said that we're probably more ready also, is that, um, you know, we've done a, a, a lot of um, uh, self-reflection in terms of, you know, what type of institution we are. We've always prided ourselves on our diversity and things like that. But, you know, because of the uh, special moment in time with uh, the, the murder of George Floyd and very various other uh, high-profile uh, killings of black people, um, we of course, put together an initiative called the Social Justice Action Committee to really look deeply at uh, different facets of university function and to make sure that um, we weren't perpetuating systemic racism, structural racism, that we were uh, not perpetuating certain biases that uh, tend to exist in universities, and that uh, really to take a real critical look at, at ourselves. And so um, this moment in time is a great time for us because, you know, Social Justice Action Committee has completed its work and we're trying to learn from it and implement uh, some of the uh, recommendations uh, from that committee and certainly having uh, a focus on uh, black studies and, and really building up that capability at Wayne State is one of the uh, recommendations that have came through very clearly. I'm talking with M. Roy Wilson. He is the president of Wayne State University. Uh, we're talking about a $6 million grant to the university to hire uh, more faculty who will focus on uh, black studies at the university, and uh, that money will help create the Detroit Center for Black Studies. Uh, it is a turn into 
uh, the culture and the dynamic of the city where Wayne State was founded and exists. Detroit, a city that is 80% African American and has such a rich and powerful history of incredible contributions across uh, many, many different sectors from the African-Americans who live here. We'd love to hear from you as well during this conversation. What do you think about this idea to create a center uh, for black studies, a Detroit Center for Black Studies at Wayne State University? Uh, What kinds of things would you love to see uh, that center focus on here in in our city? Uh, Also, give us a sense if you're someone who has studied Black scholarship or arts or history? How's that shaped your life? How has it influenced your work and your life here in the city of Detroit? 313 577 1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll include you in the conversation that way. Uh, President Wilson, I want to talk a little more about the Detroit Center for uh, black studies, what its goals are and uh, when it will open and how that fits in with, uh, with the university and its changes uh, you know, across disciplines. Yeah, so this is a, a separate initiative from the hiring of um, our faculty who will be uh, uh, focused on black studies. This, is a, this initiative is to launch, as you mentioned, Detroit Center for Black Studies, which is a, a faculty-led multidisciplinary center at Wayne State that connects black studies faculty from um, across the state of Michigan, not just at Wayne State. So the, the goal is an inclusive center that brings together the, the breadth of scholars who work in African-American, African, and African diaspora studies, and the interconnections with uh, U.S. and global histories, culture, economic, legal, and health systems so that it would it would uh, be a partnership really with um, other universities, other institutions in Michigan who uh, have uh, black uh, studies and um, uh, work in a, in a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary way amongst all the faculty. And how will that integrate into the city itself? Uh, I mean, again, the, the, the importance of this is at least partially that it's here in Detroit and that there's so much of uh, uh, there's so much history here and, and so much of the city right. is shaped by that. How will this center um, interact yeah. with the Yeah, one of the, one of the uh, uh, specific uh, goals uh, of, is to deepen community engagement. Um, in collaboration with faculty from you know, all the universities I just mentioned in southeast uh, uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, including Michigan State, um, the three uh, universities in the University of Michigan uh, system, um, Oakland University, uh, local community colleges, and so forth. And um, uh, explicitly, it is to deepen community engagement uh, um, with um, uh, the faculty from throughout the state. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phone. So it's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Connor in Detroit. Connor, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yes, my question, and you and you may have touched on some of it while I was on hold. I'm not sure, but I'm just I'm curious about what does uh, Wayne State. Uh, I, I would like you to talk a little deeper about what you intend to achieve uh, through the Black Studies program. What's what's the ultimate focus, and what type of change do you uh, anticipate? from instituting this program? Yeah, uh, great question, Connor. Uh, President Wilson, go ahead. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, we want to tra- transform the humanities curricula at, at Wayne State by significantly increasing not just the number of courses that look critically at, at race, racialization, racism, inequality, and struggles for justice, but also challenge faculty and students to transform existing courses to better reflect our our current um, humanism uh, and, and humanistic uh, scholarship. So that's that's one. The 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 second is to is to um, uh, we envision that the center uh, after it uh, 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 gets approval. Uh, university approval to actually become a full-fledged uh, center with an inaugural uh, director and associate directors and so forth is that we will have the the manpower to establish uh, things like seminar series and conferences, community engagement events, uh, support programs, mentorship uh, of uh, black kids uh, to understand, better understand uh, these areas. Um, so there will be a community outreach portion that will, uh, I think, significantly uh, improve relations with the community, but also will will have a, be a resource for the community in terms of deeper engagement with uh, the African diaspora studies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, before we break, I want to ask you about uh, this being your last year as president at uh, Wayne State University. This is a great way uh, to leave uh, this kind of legacy behind, but but I wonder if you can talk a little more about what you plan to do when, uh, when you leave Wayne State. Yeah, and then the first thing I'll say is that I, I'm getting a little anxious here because there's still so much I want to do, <laughs> that, and I'm, I'm realizing I have less and less time yeah. to get these things done. Uh, but this is a, a question that a lot of people ask, and you know, certainly I, I'm going to take my um, uh, year sabbatical and kind of retool a little bit in what I'm trained to do, which is uh, ophthalmology and ophthalmic surgery, seeing patients mm-hmm. uh, and doing research uh, in ophthalmology. Uh, I'll do that away from here, uh, but then I'll come back after my sabbatical and I'll be at the medical school as a faculty member and mm-hmm. will uh, see patients and do some ophthalmology, but also um, do a lot of mentorship throughout uh, the the university, particularly of uh, minority kids who want to go into academics of any sort. Uh, there's a number, of, a couple of programs that we've instituted, the Wayne uh, Med Direct program, the BUILT program, and these kids need um, uh, mentors and, you know, someone who can guide them uh, to successful careers in academics, and I'd like to be able to be a resource for them. Yeah. No, we will look forward, of course, to that uh, to that work and that uh, chapter of your life, and uh, wish you well uh, as you exit the president's office. Uh, M. Roy Wilson, always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining. 
Thank you. Bye-bye now. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to stay on the topic of black scholarship, but focus more closely on black Detroiters who have shaped politics and the arts and knowledge creation. Lester Spence, a professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University, who is a Southeast Michigan native and uh, absolute Detroiter, is going to join us uh, to talk about uh, his take on all that. We also want to continue to hear from you on the phone. And on social, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Did you know it costs $650 per hour to operate WDET? That's a few dollars more per hour this year than last year. One big reason is that WDET now pays our interns. We're leveling the playing field for underrepresented and low-income applicants to learn journalism, podcasting, audio engineering, and more. I'm Diane Sanders, and I coordinate the WDET Internship Program. We're training the next generation of young people for the future news and information workforce. Financial help from General Motors, Verizon, the Polk Foundation, and the Clarence and Jack Himmel Foundation helped us jumpstart our internship program. You can help with a tax-deductible gift to WDET. Learn more at WDET.org slash interns. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about uh, the contributions of African Americans from here in the city of Detroit all over the country and the world. Uh, Those are contributions that span an incredible array of disciplines and cultures and dynamics, and they are going to be celebrated soon uh, more at at, uh, Wayne State University than they are now. Uh, There is a $6 million grant being given to the university to expand black studies at the university uh, among faculty, and uh, they are also going to create something called the uh, Detroit Center for Black Studies, uh, which will really focus uh, on the contributions of uh, African Americans to our country and the world, and of course, that connection to the history here in Detroit. To talk more about the important work of black Detroiters in the arts, in politics, and scholarship, and more, I'm now joined by Lester Spence. He is a professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University. He's someone who is a native of Southeast Michigan and an expert uh, on the city, its people, and its dynamics. He's also an old friend of mine, uh, an old college classmate of mine, and so he's joined us several times in the past on Detroit Today to talk about these things. Lester, great to have you back on the show. Hey, happy New Year. It's really uh, good to be back. I don't think I've been on since since COVID, so it's been a minute. I think that's right. It's been about three yeah. years, so it's great to hear yeah. your voice again. Um, so I, I want to start with your reaction to this turn by Wayne State University, which is the largest university mm-hmm. here in Detroit, 
uh, to lean more into this space of not just black studies, uh, but but also this idea of a center for black studies rooted in Detroit and the connection yeah. between the university uh, and and this city. So um, I I push back gently against uh, the idea that this is done as kind of a, a celebration in order to celebrate uh, black contributions. Like there's a long history that goes at least back since we were kids mm -hmm. uh, to the idea of using kind of black life, particularly during the month of February, to kind of like celebrate and honor and laud black contributions. And the idea, the hidden idea in that would be that this would have psychological effects on black people and then indirectly also psychological effects on whites, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what I actually would like to do is make a, another argument and connect this to January 6th, right? So January 6th is the two-year anniversary of an attempt to basically overthrow the United States government, right? right? That, uh, and we can connect that attempt to overthrow the government to a long history of basically white supremacist attempts to reorient the government and the economy to benefit a thin slice of white folks, right? Now, where does that alternative conception of government come from, right? Because there's another conception of government that's always been arrayed against that white supremacist attempt, always, right? Where does that come from? That actually comes from black people. Right. More specifically, it actually comes from black slaves, right? So if we think about the Civil War, the standard narrative we get about the Civil War is that the Civil War, like people kind of realize now that the Civil War wasn't about slavery. It became about slavery. But, you know, the idea is that Lincoln freed the slaves, and then through Lincoln we get the 13, 14, 15th Amendment, et cetera. In fact, the reason why Black History Month is in February is in part because Negro History Week, they had it, I think, around the same time as, like, Lincoln's. It was like Lincoln's birthday yeah. and Douglas's birthday were around the same time, right? No. What really happened was that black slaves actually took the Civil War context, made it about slavery, end up changing the, uh, changing the tide of the Civil War, and then after that, they created the conditions, not just for the 13th, 14th, or 15th Amendment, they actually changed how democracy functioned. Right? So they demanded just, that change, yeah. Yeah, and they did. So we get, so when blacks get office in the Reconstruction Era government, they're the ones who, are, uh, who argue for the first public schools. They're the ones who argue for progressive taxation, right? In fact, if you fast forward, when we think about the Jim Crow era, we think about the Jim Crow era as designed to take away the black vote. And yes, it did. But it did that because black people were an essential part of the populist movement that itself was about reorienting government towards a more progressive democracy, hmm. right? So if we take that, it's not about celebration. It's about, it's about actually understanding, you know, using the humanist line, understanding that this specific population created, as a result of their circumstances, created a set of ideas about what it meant to be human, 
that we all need to know, not just for the purpose of knowledge's sake, but to actually create a more better version of humanity. Yeah. Now, con- connecting that back to Detroit, Detroit is the most important city of the 20th century. You, you would, I am hard-pressed to think of another city, particularly between the periods of 1920 and 1980. Yeah. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to find another city that's been more important to the development of the nation's economy, to, towards our conceptions of labor, towards our conceptions of government. I can't think of one. And then if you think about black people, Detroit's the most important city, not just for black people, but black people play an essential role in making Detroit, Detroit. So if we think about this, and I wish, so Mellon, for those who don't know, Mellon gives money primarily for humanities-oriented dynamic. Like here at Hopkins, uh, a few of us, in fact, I've got some uh, Mellon money to do some city stuff between Baltimore, London, and Rio. Mm-hmm. Mellon gives money just for humanity stuff. The, the challenge is, is that black study is not just a humanities project, but it's also a social science project, right? Like I'm a social scientist. It would be really, really cool if they could also get money to bolster the social science end. But with that said, I mean, thinking about how Detroiters, how black Detroiters changed our conception of how, of how society functions, came up with really, really powerful conceptions of how to develop kind of autonomous cells, given that how Detroit was hollowed out. Like, that stuff is incredibly important. And we have to talk about it like that. We can't talk about it like it's just a celebration dynamic. Like, right. oh, my God, look what so-and-so did. <laughs> oh, my God, Derek made created techno. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I mean, well, it wasn't just Derek, but you know what I mean. Right. It's, we have to have something more robust. And and do you sense that this Detroit Center for Black Studies will do that? Do you sense that, that this is, you know, again, like I described it, yeah. a turn by, by the university? I mean, this is a university that, that um, again, is, is a huge part of, uh, of the academic landscape here in, in Detroit. And for them to to say, look, we're going to lean into this. I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, I think that's pretty significant. Yeah, it, so it's significant, um, but the question is, gonna, uh, question is what happens when that loot runs out. So I'm going to tell you all some, um, like some, this is kind of private business, but it's some years, it's, it's some years ago, so I think I could talk about it. So I was a finalist for the Coleman Young yes. um, Fellowship, like twice. Two or three times. Right. And we should right. explain what that is. This is money yeah. that the former mayor left uh, to, to fund uh, a, a position at Wayne State uh, yep. Yep. Uh, in perpetuity, right? It's supposed yep. to be yep. there forever. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, yep. So I was a finalist for that two, three times. Um, the first time I was a, I was a finalist, uh, the president didn't interview me, but the dean did. And I can say this now, because, you know, that was one of the most racist interviews I'd ever had. And and if the dean wasn't racist, he certainly sounded like one in his interviews. So so expand on that. Tell me what he did and said that uh, that that showed him to be to, to be racist. So um, at that moment in time, I was a, an assistant professor at one of the top. 10 or 15 private universities in the country, one of the top universities in the world. I'd already published like several peer-reviewed articles, and I 
think my book was on the way. And he wasn't familiar. And, and, and he treated me as if I was a professor at a community college. Hmm. That's what I remember. And I, and I have to say, I'm not knocking community colleges. <laughs> I got friends who teach at them. Sure. But in interacting with me, it was as if he had no appreciation for the legacy of Coleman Young and no understanding of my of where I actually sat in the hierarchy. Like I was like I think I might have had more accomplishments than the de- than the person who was interviewing me. Right? And I don't talk about this stuff, but the the reason it's important to talk about is to talk about that in kind of a broader political dynamic. So that moment, obviously, we're not in any longer. Like the fact that Mellon gave Wayne State money, I heard the president talk about it. Mm-hmm. I've got friends that, you know, friends who just got hired at Wayne State is changing, but that can change back. Right. So, so yes, it's a great moment, but the key is, is to engage in right. the process. Does it make structural, does it, it make structural change, essentially, is what yeah, you're saying. You have to, it has to be durable. Well, it, be, it, it creates the possibility for structural change, but then the t- question is what happens to happen for it to be durable? So one, so to bring it back, um, to the idea I started out with, one one way to do it is to move away from the celebration narrative and to make it more of a structural imperative, right? And you make it as a structural imperative. I just used one example that I think is a real one. Like, like we're concerned, like, we should be incredibly concerned with the impact of January 6th on our democracy and by extension on democracy. Mm-hmm. We don't have what happened in Brazil just a few days ago, where people who supported uh, Bolsonaro uh, basically did the exact same thing that people did here, like, we should be concerned about that. And the way we actually push back against that is not just by structural change, but by seeding the idea that democracy is something that's important and should be cherished. But one way we do that is to actually think about how black and other marginalized uh, populations have created knowledge systems and institutions that actually counter that and create this other set of ideas about how government functions. Yeah. Right yeah. now, now bringing it back. So every for all the listeners. So when uh, when um, when Detroit Today folk hollered at me, they were like, "Yo, name me some black scholars who do stuff on Detroit." Yeah. And I'm like, "Damn, I'm working." I mean, give me a second. <laughs> so I'm gonna point to. I'm gonna give a shout out to Errol. Errol Henderson. Yes. No relation to Stephen. No. But he is my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but, but he don't. so Errol Henderson is an IR scholar. Yes. Oh, uh, he's at Penn State now. He went to Cass Tech. He went to University of Michigan, and he actually was essential in creating Wayne State's Africana Studies right. uh, department. Yes. Like, right. like, because he was part of the uh, the student protest that uh, created Wayne State's Africana Studies Department. Uh, and it's deep, because as I think about it, probably, what, that's like 1990 and 91? Yes. Um, when they did that, they expected it to have a significant Detroit component, and it basically took three decades for that, you know, to really get the resources to, to bolster that. But, but if you think about Errol's contribution, I, we don't have a lot of time. I just focus on one, on the Detroit element. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we think about its roots, Mm -hmm. we tend to locate its roots in uh, black feminist scholars. 
And, and that's kind of correct. But what Arrow's work shows is that also important, and in fact, even more important, is the work of black working-class organizations created by mothers often in places like Detroit. Because when Detroit gets hollowed out and we've got these drug wars killing 13 or 14-year-olds, both you and I grew up in a moment where, I mean, it's crazy not to talk about it, right. but I knew people who've been shot and killed, and they were kids. We just took it as normal, but it's not normal. Like, I was at parties that got shot up, and that's not, that's not normal, period, but we were kids doing that, yeah. right? No, so, we survived so, all that, and, and, you know, it was over. It was always over nothing, right? I mean, it was over yeah. shoes yeah. or a girl or a coat or whatever. I mean, uh, yeah. th that was omnipresent when we were teenagers. Yep, it was the Wild West, right? It was the Wild West. So organizations like So Sad weren't just interventions to try to stop the violence, although they were that. They also developed incredibly novel theories of police repression, novel theories of violent intervention, mm -hmm. novel theories of how, uh, how gangs should actually uh, negotiate with each other. Like, all of that stuff is the essential stuff of uh, international relations and of political science more broadly, right? So Errol knows about this stuff because he grew up in Detroit. He grew up in the Brewster's Projects, right? So he knows that black people in Detroit, working-class black Detroiters, it's not like they're just workers. They actually develop knowledge systems themselves in order to cope with their condition, yes. right? So as I think about a Detroit Center of Black Studies, like, like any center that has Detroit at its heart should have as a vital component studying how black people in Detroit thought about the world in the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a great way to, to kind of tie it all together and show how w what they're doing has to connect for it to matter. It's got to connect to who we are as Detroiters, as black Detroiters. And that's, a you know, it's almost a circular relationship that, that um, you know, the history of, of black Detroiters and the things that we came up with and innovated are, are now going to be sort of the core of, uh, of this academic uh, exercise. Okay, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation uh, about black studies at Wayne State University, this new Detroit Center for Black Studies uh, and the history, of course, uh, of African-Americans here in the city of Detroit. We also want to get to you on the phones and on social. Chris in Southfield, Monica in Detroit, and in Detroit. We will start with you if you want to join them. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. And you can also go to Twitter and hashtag us. We'll include you in the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. You 
listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Lester Spence. He is a professor of political science and Africana studies at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, we're talking about black Detroit scholarship movements and ideas uh, in the context of the news that Wayne State University will expand black studies faculty at the university and build a Detroit center for Black Studies, we're talking about the relationship between the university and the history of African-American uh, people here in the city of Detroit, those uh, important ideas and innovations and things that, that come out of black culture here in Detroit that need to be at the core of this Center for Black Studies. Uh, I want to hear from you, of course, on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter at hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you uh, that way. Uh, let's start today on the phones with Monica in Detroit. Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Hey. Um, I just had a question for the guest. Well, comment first. Um, he's Said that the Civil War wasn't um, about well, okay, it wasn't about um, slavery, but black people then made it about slavery. Um, yeah. And yeah. I just I wanted to kind of um, not exactly counter that, but uh, question that because it was my understanding that um, the South very much so wanted to maintain slavery. And that, you know, it wasn't just about, oh, maintenance of the union, but it was really about, you know, they wanted to separate to maintain their, quote, right to mm -hmm. own slaves. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, and I, I would, the reason I'm saying that is because of things like John Brown's rebellion. You know, when he mm -hmm. did his uprising, church bells across the north rang <laughs> in defense of him and against his execution. Yeah. And just, you know, one other thing, um, you know, states... Um, Hey, Monica, Monica, yeah, sorry. Monica, so real quick, I'm going to come, but ask your question, because what you, I get your point. I, I want to get to that, but you got a question also, right? Right. I think that was her question. Was, oh, that was? I think she wants Monica. you to expand a bit on... on oh, okay, uh, okay. So, yeah. yes, you're absolutely right, but here's the thing. If you look at the original records, Lincoln, uh, Lin President uh, Lincoln and his associates... We're more interested in maintaining the nation up to the point that they actively considered a 13th Amendment, which would have not just allowed the South to keep their slaves, but would have made it impossible to use the Constitution to end slavery. It was a, it, in fact, the amendment would have been an unamendable amendment. Yeah. So, so the South was interested in maintaining slaves. But Lincoln was interested in maintaining the Union up to and include, and in fact, even during the Civil War, at the outset, every slave the Northern Army uh, would receive, they were tasked to return the slaves back to their owners. So what ended up happening was black people themselves basically engaged in what Du Bois calls a great strike, and was like, no, we are not going to do this. And they start flooding the North and uh, uh, and uh, the Union armies en masse to the point where Lincoln, because um, the war was incredibly, was vicious on both the North and the South, Lincoln was like, you know what, we're going to have to respond to this. Right. 
Yeah. So that, so when I say that, that's what I meant. So, that, so thank you. So that's yeah. what I meant. I mean, one way to think of it is that, the, you know, the war was about, uh, um, you know, whatever your perspective was at the time. So for the South, uh, you know, you can go through uh, the articles they passed to secede from the Union, and and many of them, if not all of them, talk specifically about slavery being the reason that they wanted to form their own their own nation. Um, but if you were in the North, uh, and if you're Lincoln, uh, your your goal was not primarily about ending slavery. It was about preserving the union because you had all these states leave. So, I mean, it, it is one of those those examples of where perspective really matters. Who Who's making the decisions and who is, uh, you know, whose motivations uh, are, are at work. Uh, but that's a great, that's a great point to, to make. And, and Monica, I'm glad you called and uh, asked Lester to to drill down on it. Um, let's go next to Chris in Southfield. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh-huh. So I just had two really quick comments. One, I think this is a, an amazing discussion, an incredible discussion. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about how black studies has shaped my life. Um, I've had the privilege to travel to West Africa, to Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the privilege of befriending a, um, a scholar of African-American studies. And between the trip and having a, a, a mentor who was an African studies scholar, it really helped me understand what it is to be an African-American man, um, an African-American man living in Detroit. But it also helped me reconcile what Du Bois called double consciousness, being both American and African, and having an appreciation for the my West African roots. Um, so I, I think it's incredibly important to have an, an African-American, African studies program set up in Detroit like this, set up in Wayne State, so that other young African-American men can realize um, not only the depth of our culture, the beautiful, our, the, the, the richness of our culture, but then again, understand what it is to be an African-American person living in this country. Yeah, Chris, um, Chris, did you ahead. study black studies, uh, African-American studies in college? Was that your... Oh, no, I- I actually studied finance and, and data science. However, I had a, a very keen interest in African studies. And, you know, many of my friends, many of my, my colleagues were in African studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mentor that I mentioned, you know, someone who I, I really think, um, you know, yourself or President Wilson should connect with is Dr. Harry O'Dompton. Um, he's the author of Edward Blyton's Intellectual Transformations. Um, he's currently a professor in California. Huh. Um, I think he would be an, an incredible, incredible asset to the city of Detroit. He would be an incredible asset to this program at Wayne State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, I really appreciate the call, and we will pass that info on to uh, to President Wilson. Uh, Lester, I'll give you a chance to react to what Chris is saying. I mean, this is, this is by the way, I think what uh, Errol Henderson had in mind uh, when when he created or helped create uh, black studies at, at, at Wayne State University back in the 90s. Yeah, it, it is that, um, and, it, and that's important. I just, I really, what, what I really want to drive home is that there. Are, so there are a number of benefits from uh, from having a Black Studies department um, on. And there, it confers a number of benefits on Black students. Um, I know I wouldn't be where I was, uh, where I am today, without uh, without Cass at the University of Michigan, without um, without the scholars. That constituted, in fact, one of the professors at uh, Wayne State, Melba Boyd, 
she taught me when I was in fifth grade at magnet school when I was an angster. <laughs> wow. So there are all types of ways yeah. <laughs> that, um, you know, and, and, and Errol and the students in BAM 3 who, who, uh, who wanted more resources for black studies, they created a path for me. So that's all important. But I really want to double down on what I started with mm-hmm. and think about that January 6th date. It's not just about the effects on black students uh, and on black, uh, black adults. It's not just on the psychological effects. It's not just on extending, you know, their horizons of what maybe, you know, what black folks think is possible. Um, our horizons are already capacious. What it's about doing is creating the conditions where universities like Wayne State like Johns Hopkins and like the University of Michigan, like three different university Mm -hmm. types, Mm -hmm. that they can basically reorient how they generate knowledge and the theories they use to problem solve the human condition. So that's a lot bigger than that includes the psychological benefits, but that's a lot bigger. That includes, like, uh, I got a a friend I went to grade school with, uh, a white brother, I'm not going to mention his name, um, he still, he doesn't believe vaccine. Uh, he, he doesn't believe in vaccines. <laughs> he, he doesn't believe in vaccines. He thinks Trump is supposed to be president. And I bet you if he had his choice, he would have been down in DC, mm-hmm. right? If he, if he, if he wasn't a parent, he probably wouldn't have been down in DC, right? It's like, what do we do? What type of knowledge does that type of person need in order to be able to distinguish truth claims from falsehoods? Right. And it's not just about and that's a different project than, yeah, for example, is. you know, is Matt Stafford or or um, or the kid who just beat the Grand, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, who's a better quarterback? It's like life or death type questions. Right. So we have to articulate it like that. Yeah. And if we articulate it like that, it's closer to reality. But then politically, it makes it increases the odds that this is durable rather than just something that comes when, you know, when people protest for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, really appreciate the call and the perspective there. Let's go to Anne in Detroit. Anne, I've only got about a minute and a half left, but I wanted to get you in here. Go ahead. Well, I'll be really short. Um, I was in one of the first black studies programs at Wayne hmm. and um, that was a long time ago. And, my father grew up in Detroit, and I grew up in Detroit, and um, it's just incredible to think how much we all need to grow and learn, um, you know, to get along. And <laughs> so, so, Anne, I'm I'm going to guess that you're uh, a white uh, Detroiter. Um, I am. Tell us a, a little about that experience in that class. Again, we don't have a ton of time, but I'm curious what that what that was like for you. Um, it was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't have any problem, um, even though I went to high school in Lapeer, uh, where we only had two black students in the whole school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, to me, it was just part of the family. And we mm-hmm. we grew up, you know, having friends that were black. And you know, my dad was in a business that hired black musicians. And, you know, so it... Um, it just was part of what yeah. life is. Yeah, and, and just uh, as white people are to black people. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate the call and and you sharing that experience, uh, Lester. I've only got like thirty seconds left, but uh, I want to give you the last word on uh, on all of this. So that's a good way to end it. So I started. I talked about Errol Henderson, Cast Tech grad. I'm mm-hmm. gonna uh, bring in another one, uh, a white brother, Frank Frank Baumgartner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cast Tech grad, early seventies. Now he's a professor in North Carolina. Another Michigan guy. So Frank Baumgartner is one of the most important political scientists of 
his generation and what he's been studying is agenda setting. And what he's been looking at lately is the way that agenda setting works to subjugate black people to the detriment of everybody. He gets that in part because he grew up in Detroit as it was changing. And he as a white brother could actually interact with black people in a way that made him benefit. I've, I've interacted with so many people at Rosedale Park and other places, white, who have totally different attitudes about life because of their interaction with black folks. And that's what we got to get back to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lester, always great to have you here. We never have enough time. Uh, we're going to have, have to have you back soon. Thanks so much, though, for joining us today. Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, you too. That's going to do it for us today. We'll come back tomorrow and uh, talk for more uh, things, talk about more things here in our community on Detroit Today.